we are at the very end of a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is the last week for it. Um, and I encourage you, if you've missed any of the sermons, please go online and please listen. And here's the reason why. Um, I think for most Christians, when it comes to the topic of the Holy Spirit, many of us um, just have, have not been taught well, at least if you come from a similar background as, as I did. I grew up in a specific um, denomination that just really didn't talk about the Holy Spirit unless we wanted to clarify what the Holy Spirit doesn't do and how that church believes certain things about the Holy Spirit that, that, that are theologically incorrect. That was kind of um, the background of my denomination. And, and so um, really what happened is my understanding of what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit was majorly lacking. And what we need to see in Scripture is that um, as believers in Christ, you and I literally have the Holy Spirit in us. Like, that, that's just mind-blowing to me. Like, if you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God lives in you right here Right now. And, and, and when you look at scripture, like especially the book of Acts, it's, it's pretty obvious, is it not? Like in the book of Acts, you have these Christians doing stuff that, that's impossible to, to, to comprehend. It's impossible to describe. In fact, it was so impossible, it was so crazy that unbelievers, in Acts chapter 5, it says that unbelievers looked in on Christians, and they were kind of like afraid, kind of like, whoa, something crazy is going on there. But the next verse says, um, and, and, and they all wanted to join in. And so correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe it's just my experience, and you guys live in this really great Christian world, but in my experience, it's kind of difficult to see the Holy Spirit in, in a lot of Christians, like when you read the book of Acts, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I mean, just clear as day, Holy Spirit's working, moving in and through Christians. And then you look at a lot of Christians today and you're like, you're, you're just like your unbelieving friends. Like you have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm not sure I believe it because there's no evidence of it. And so this is why it's so important for us to have conversations about the Holy Spirit and see what Scripture um, says about the Holy Spirit, and, and I really believe that maybe the biggest reason we fail to live a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's filled through to, by the Holy Spirit, I think one of the reasons why we struggle to live a life in which it's clear to other people that the Holy Spirit is in us and working through us is simply because we are ignorant. We just we don't know what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. So um, that's, that's my introduction of why you should go online and listen to these sermons, and we didn't have time for that anyway. So here's how I want to close um, this morning, this, this series. I want to talk about a topic that, that frankly, if I heard this sermon uh, a few years ago, it'd make me very uncomfortable. So um, y'all might be real uncomfortable real quick. Um, last night... Uh, I was at my parents' house uh, just for a short time picking up our kids, and my mom asked, what are you speaking on tomorrow? I said, um, praying in the Spirit. And my, my stepdad just visually got uncomfortable. 
It's like, oh, what's going on there at the Mission Church, huh? Um, so that's what we're talking about. So uh, if, if you feel uncomfortable, um, sorry, we're just preaching what the Bible says. Ephesians 6 says this, um, just one verse. It says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. So I'm not making this up. I'm not making up new language by saying praying in the Spirit. The Bible says we should pray in the Spirit. And then it says with all prayer and supplication. And, and if you go to the book of Jude, in verse 20, it says the same thing. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, now here's what we're just going to see. First thing is this. When you look at the Bible, this phrase, pray in the Spirit, it's only mentioned twice. It's only mentioned twice. But here's what I want to talk about. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Because we're commanded to do it here. We're called to do it. Christians, pray in the Spirit. With all prayers and supplications, pray in the Spirit. But it only mentions it twice in the Bible. So, one, what does it mean? And two, I mean, is it... Is it really important? Like, how important is it for you to not just pray, but to pray in the Spirit? And, and then the third thing I want to talk about is, what does this look like? Like, like if, if you're sitting there going, okay, how do I even pray in the Holy Spirit? I, I want us to look at what Scripture says about that. Um, but before we do, let me open us with prayer. Father, I just... Um, there was a, a long season in my life, Father, where um, when it came to theological, biblical conversations about the Holy Spirit, I just wouldn't have them because of just kind of my ignorance of, of what your word says about the Holy Spirit. Father, give us a mind and give us a heart to take away all presuppositions, all of our background of what we've ever heard about the Holy Spirit, and may we just look at what your word says. And this idea of praying in the Spirit might sound a little, um, I don't know, uncomfortable for us, but Father, show us that, it, that your word tells us that our prayers should be in the Spirit. And and please show us how to do that. We want to have a prayer life. I know every person in here, they want to have a prayer life in which you, Holy Spirit, are the moving and the guiding power. Show us how to walk in that boldly, courageously. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. I want to start with a little story that, that in some ways actually inspired this sermon. Um, but I want to start with a verse that will kind of guide it. 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 5. Um, it's one very short, simple verse. In fact, you, you can memorize this verse today because it's only five, five verses, five words. And, and, and the verse says this in 1 Thessalonians 5. I, I think it's verse 20. No, nope, verse 19. Let's just read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. So Paul says, do not quench the spirit. Um, the operative word here is, is quench. So let's have a conversation here. What does he mean by quench? 
really the word picture that's given is, is imagine this fire. You've got a fire burning, and then someone grabs a big old bucket of water and throws the water on the fire. What you've just done is you've quenched the fire. You, you put it out. And that's what Paul's talking about. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not put out what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. Do not put out what the Holy Spirit is guiding you towards. Do not quench the Spirit. And the very fact that the Apostle Paul has to write this implies that that you and I are probably susceptible to do this, right? You and I are susceptible to quench, to put out the Holy Spirit. And, And you want to know why? Next time you're reading through the book of Acts, because that's really where you see firsthand where the Holy Spirit's working and moving, see how the Holy Spirit works. You will find several things. Here's one of the big things you'll find. That one of the ways that the Holy Spirit works and moves is in very, very uncomfortable, uneasy ways. The Holy Spirit works through people in ways they would not work by themselves. They just wouldn't do it. The only reason they're doing what they're doing is because the Holy Spirit's leading them, guiding them, because what they're doing is uncomfortable, uneasy, could get them thrown in prison. In fact, it does, could get them killed. In fact, it did. And so you and I, we're just susceptible of quenching the Holy Spirit. So here's here's my story um, for for this. I'm speaking at a high school camp about three weeks ago, um, which is a whole other story in itself. and I, I kind of didn't want to be there. It was just an act of God that I was there. I, I meant to say no, but I accidentally, my wife said yes for me type, type of thing. It was kind of, I did what any good pastor would do. They, they called me and said, hey, last minute, do you want to speak at this camp? I said, um, well, uh, let me talk to my wife. I knew what my wife was going to say. Wrong. She said, go for it. So uh, I'm speaking at this camp, and uh, two or about two days into it, one of the counselors of, of the senior guys comes to me and says, hey, would you mind, um, maybe, maybe in a few nights away, can you come and, and lead our cabin discussion time, do our cabin discussion time with us? And I'm like, hey, I'm on board. Sure, let's do it. And I asked him, his name was Rory. I said, Rory, like, what did you have in mind? And he said, one of the more uncomfortable things I've ever heard someone say, I thought we could prophesy over them. Like, okay, Baptist denomination right here, okay? Like, Southern Baptist, yo, conservative Baptist, those are my two denominations. Um, when you say the word prophecy, you might as well just spill out a four-letter word, okay? You just, you just don't say that to a Baptist brother. And so he says, I thought, you know, I thought we could prophesy over them. So two thoughts went through my head. Oh, dear. And the other thought was like, I don't even know how to do that. So I'm like, okay. So a couple nights go by, and, and finally it's Thursday night, the time where I'm, I'm supposed to go to the cabin, discussion time. I get done speaking, and, and we make our way to the cabin. The guys are already there, and I'm walking with the, the leader, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe we can renegotiate this. And I, and I said, okay, what, what, what's the plan? What's the plan? And he said, well, you know, I thought we could just start our time with the guys praying and just asking that the Holy Spirit would lead us. I can do that. I can do, I do that every Sunday morning. I can do that. 
And then he said, you know, and then maybe we can have them, you know, if, if they have any questions for you, they can, they can ask questions and you can answer. I'm like, Q&A, all about it. Let's do it. And then he said, and then maybe if we have time, we can prophesy over them. I'm like, uh, I'm going to make my answers to the questions really long here. <laughs> You're very uncomfortable right now. You don't even know it's coming. I told this story to Dan, and Dan's like, I'm very uncomfortable right now. Um, he was, he was. I told to our elders too, Leon, you looked uncomfortable and I told you that you, you're still uncomfortable. Um, and so we get there, okay, we, we pray, Holy Spirit, guide this time. They, they ask some questions to me and I answer them, apparently not long enough, and we still have some time. And Rory looks at me and he says, um, Zach, what do you think? Um, do you want to spend some time prophesying over them? And uh, you, you ever just done a stall tactic where you're just like, um, uh, and, and hope that you say um long enough that someone else will take over? So that was my game. I was just like, um, and literally for 10 seconds, nothing is coming out of my mouth. Someone save me. Someone save me. Um, and, and then I thought, oh, prayer is always the answer. And so I say, how about, how about we just spend some time praying over these students. So um, Rory, if you just want to pray over guy after guy after guy, and, and then I'll kind of make my round, and I'll pray over each guy. And then I said to these, I think there were seven, uh, eight of these seniors. Um, I said, hey, if you want to, if you're not getting prayed for, if you feel led, pray over someone else. Um, and so we start this. And I get to the first guy, and, and I kind of felt challenged. It's kind of like, you know what, I should start my prayer a little differently. Like, I don't know how to prophesy over one. So I just, I felt challenged by Rory to pray that the Holy Spirit would lead. So I'd start every prayer with just, Holy Spirit, just, I don't, and I'd pray out loud to this student. Um, I I just said, Holy Spirit, I I don't want this to be a generic prayer. I just, I want you to just put on my heart, put on my lips, what you want me to pray for this student, and I'd name their name, um, and I just want it to be a word to them of, of encouragement, of blessing, so that's how I start my prayer, and then I allowed for like five or ten seconds um, for something to come to mind, um, praying that the Holy Spirit would show up, and so I'm sitting there, and, and I start with this first guy, his name was Torin, um, and so nothing really came to mind, we had talked about ministry, and so I'm praying ministry over him, um, as I'm praying, other people start praying for others, and, and like, these are senior boys. They, they, they are men. They are, or at least they think they're men. And, and all of a sudden, I, someone's getting prayed for, and he just starts weeping, and I'm like, oh, dear. Um, Holy Spirit's moving. Okay, I'm comfortable. Okay. Um, and so I go to, to each guy, and, and I mean, th- this, this is new for me, for a Baptist brother, okay? This is new, and, and Really, I felt like the Holy Spirit was putting, I thought the Holy Spirit was putting stuff on my mind. Because what the Holy Spirit was putting on my mind was stuff I wouldn't have came up with. Like one of the kids, like the Holy Spirit was saying, he's got sin in his life. Like talk about awkward. Lord, he's got sin in his life. Like I'm literally praying that. I get to another person and I'm like feeling like, okay, his parents are on my mind. Start praying for his parents. Nothing's really going on. I'm praying for them and and nothing really stirring up in them. So I get to this uh, young man named Mitchell. I know three things about Mitchell. I know that Mitchell's an unbeliever because his counselor told me. I know that he had not been uh, living with his parents 
um, and, and he was living every now and then with, with the, the youth worship leader, and I knew that he may have had a, a background of drugs and alcohol. That's all I know about him. No, nothing else. So I start my prayer, just, you know, Holy Spirit, lead, just put on my mouth what you want me to pray for Mitchell, and and I just start praying out loud for his salvation, that he would understand and, and see um, how beautiful the gospel is. And, and he's just kind of sitting there. And, and by the way, this is Thursday. Camp ends on Saturday. We had started on Sunday. So all week long, he had been there, heard the sermons twice a day, cabin time every night, heart of stone. Nothing. Nothing. Impenetrable senior in high school. And so all of a sudden, as I'm praying for him, just older brother comes to mind. I'm like, I can't pray for his older brother. Like, I don't even know if he has an older brother. I can't just start praying for his older brother. I have no idea. And so I, I stop praying, and I kind of nudge him, and, and he, you know, had his head bowed, and he looks up. I said, Mitchell, do you have a brother? This is Baptist brother. Let's just remind it. Baptist brother here. Do you have a brother? And he says, um, yeah, I have brothers. Um, again, heart of stone. I say, do you have an older brother? Loses it. Instantly, tears start streaming down his face. And I'm just going, clearly he has an older brother. But he's just tears streaming down his face. And, and, and he kind of gains control of himself. And he looks at me, he's like, how, how, did, how did you know that? And I was like, I'm pretty sure God's trying to get your attention. It's like, how random is older brother? Because that comes to mind when you pray over someone, right, that you know nothing about. And I asked him, I said, what's going on? Clearly something's going on with your older brother. What's going on? And, you know, my older brother's in prison, got, had been convicted of of rape, and I, I just, I said, well, I want to pray for your brother. I feel like I need to pray for your older brother, and I'm praying over him, and he's just still just tears streaming, crying, 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 and, and I get done praying for him, and he just looks at me, and he just goes, this is so weird, and I'm sitting there going, you're telling me, man. <laughs> I'm the one who just said older brother, and you started crying, and I just said to him, I said, Mitchell, clearly God's trying to get your attention here. Because, like, seriously, older brother, that's what comes to mind? And he ended up, you know, leaving the room, had, you know, went out and um, just kind of got some alone time. He, he just, just shook it up. And, I, and I, I drove home that night just thinking a couple things. The first thing I just thought, like, God, that was crazy, Okay. Because, like, we all have a friend that tells you their charismatic story. Did anyone have that friend tell you their charismatic story? A few of you. And you're like, oh, I'm kind of uncomfortable right now talking to you, okay? And, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I think I have a charismatic story. <laughs> I told Dan. Dan's like, uh-oh, are you getting charismatic? I'm like, I, I think I am. I don't know. But I, I, I drove home just going, God, that was, that, was, that was crazy. Clearly not me. Clearly not coincidence that older brother just comes to mind. Like, clearly, 
Holy Spirit, you are speaking. You are leading. You are guiding. And then the second thing I thought to myself was, God, how many times in the past couple decades have you tried to put on my heart something like that either for me to move forward and do something like I'm sure how many of you ever had those moments where like something inside of you you can call it the Holy Spirit you can call it your conscience you can call it whatever you want something inside of you tells you do that do this say that walk across the street talk to them share the gospel with them how many times has that ever happened to you and, and, and inside you're like that'd be crazy though that'd be weird though People might, not, people might look at me weird. I might lose my job. She might break up with me. I might lose a friendship. And I thought to myself, God, how many times have you tried to lead me, guide me, speak to me in the midst of my prayer life, and, and I, I didn't move. I, I, listen, I quenched the Holy Spirit. And I think that there are many different ways that we can quench, we can put out the Holy Spirit, put out, silence the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit is trying to guide us and lead us and speak to us. I think there's a lot of different ways we can do that. I can't help but wonder if in our prayer life and how we pray or, or even more so how we don't pray is one of the biggest ways in which we just we quench the Holy Spirit. We just silence the Holy Spirit. Because where the Holy Spirit leads is a very uncomfortable place. It is. It was very uncomfortable for me to look at him and go, do you have an older brother? Like, because what if he doesn't? That fell on its face. So, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, let's start with this question. How important is it to pray in the Spirit? Well, if you look at Ephesians 6.18, it just straight up tells us, it says, praying at, and if, if you got your Bibles, praying at, what's that word? All. What's the next word? Times. So, here's what the Greek means here. The Greek literally means all times. This means all times, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Um, literally, that Greek word for supplication, it's just another word for prayer. It's a synonym for prayer. And so here's what we need to hear. Here's what we need to hear. Not all prayers are praying in the Spirit, but all prayers should be in the Spirit. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard this. I, I, I've, I've said this myself. I don't know if you've ever heard someone say this. I apologize if I've said this to you. Ben, you're one of my old youth students. I'm sure I said this to you. I, I said, there, there's no wrong way to pray. There's no wrong way to pray. Um, yes, there is. Not praying in the Spirit would be the wrong way to pray. So, now let's talk about what does this mean? What, is it, what does it look like to pray in the Spirit? I think it can be very, very helpful just to start with what it's not. Let's just get rid of all the things that it's not. 
Here's what praying in the Spirit is not. It is not mindless, monotonous, duty-filled prayer. So, um, Matthew 6, 7, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles, those were unbelievers, those were unbelievers as the Gentiles do. In other words, uh, the, the NIV translates it as pagans, as pagans do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So what was happening in that culture is that pagans, people who didn't believe in the one true God that prayed to other gods, they thought that prayer, um, the best kind of prayer, was to um, say just the right words. And if they said just the right words, then the gods would answer them. But if they didn't have the right words, then the gods wouldn't answer them. So it was almost as if each god had like a secret, a secret, um, secret, what's the right word? Secret phrase, not the right one. Secret password, yes. Careful, friends. A secret password. And, and, and so here, Jesus is saying, okay, listen, when you pray, it's not like you're trying to guess the secret password. It's not like if you just say the right thing and then you'll get what you want. He says, don't, 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 don't do that. And I think sometimes we can, we can do that. We can do this mindless prayer of like, okay, this is what I know I should say. Like, you ever pray before the meal, and it's just like the same ten words, and you don't even, you like, you don't even know what you're saying. You're just saying it because you're starving. Or you can just ask your kid to pray because you know it'll be like, dear Jesus, amen. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, Becca, you got that. You got that. Or they can't even talk yet. They're like, okay, let's eat. Silence is agreement. Praying in the Spirit is not this mindless, monotonous prayer or this duty-filled prayer. This prayer like, okay, I have to pray this bedtime prayer with my kids. It's not. And, and I think, and I don't, I don't, we don't do this on purpose. I don't think we do this on purpose. We just seep into this, don't we? We just kind of pray the same prayers. And listen, there's stuff you should be praying for every day. I pray for my kids every day. I pray for my wife every day. I pray for our elders. I pray for our staff every single day. And I should. But it shouldn't be monotonous. So, so if you find yourself praying out of duty, praying monotonously, praying mindlessly, okay, I think you've got to take a step back and, and just realize, okay, I'm clearly not praying in the Spirit here. So l- let's define this. Well, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Um, Meyer's commentary, a, a Bible commentary, puts it this way, and I think it's very helpful, and we're going to put Bible under all of this here. When it comes to praying in the Spirit, they say this. It says this. So to pray that the Holy Spirit, not you, not you, that the Holy Spirit is the moving, everyone say moving, and guiding, say guiding, power. Now, I, I hope you are looking at this sentence and, and, and are really pressing against it, and and hopefully what you're pressing against it is, okay, how do I make sure that my prayers 
are the Holy Spirit being the guiding and moving power? How do I make sure I'm not the one being the moving power? How do I make sure that my prayers, I'm not being the guiding power? How do I pray in such a way that it's not me, but it's the Holy Spirit in me that's doing the moving and doing the guiding? And and I think we get a lot of biblical examples here, and we're just going to single out a few in Scripture. Let, let's start with this moving, that where the Holy Spirit is the moving power. So I want you, this is the image I have in mind when I think of this word moving and what it means here. Imagine an impenetrable wall. Like, doesn't matter how much manpower you have, doesn't matter how much military power you have, you cannot break through this wall. It's unmovable. But the Holy Spirit has a kind of power that none of us in this world have or can have. And so when it's talking about this moving power, it's talking about breaking through things that you will never, ever, ever be able to break through. So, so like, um, I'm at dinner last night for a birthday party for my brother-in-law, and there's a couple there. They're unbelievers, um, and Someone very close to them has a one-year-old baby found in a pond, um, face up, had to call the the helicopter, airlifted the baby, and and the paramedics literally tell the mom here, like, you need to brace yourself for the worst, okay? The baby's unresponsive. The baby probably will not make it. Goes to the hospital. At this point, this unbeliever tells my brother-in-law, who is a believer, and my brother-in-law start, you know, starts this prayer chain, going, pray, 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 pray. I mean, you want to talk about unmovable. You want to talk about a wall that cannot be broken down. The doctors are telling this mom, like, listen, child's not going to make it. The baby wakes up. The baby is acting completely normal, no side effects, and the doctors are just going like this. And I'm sitting at the table, um, and, and she's actually sitting next to me. She's just like, man, we were getting prayed for. And like, I'm like, and God did it, yo. God, let you know. You want to talk about unmovable? A team of doctors had no way to explain this. And so what does it look like for us to pray in such a way where the Holy Spirit, not you, the Holy Spirit is the moving power. I think one of the best ways you can put it is is to pray for things that only God can do. But that's not good enough. And then have faith that God can do them. That is praying in such a way where the Holy Spirit will be the moving power. So when you look at James chapter 5, we see a great example of this. I love this passage um, where um, James is writing about prayer. Let me turn there because I want to say it just right. And James says this, chapter 5, verse 15. um, In the prayer, verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now listen, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another for you may be healed. Now listen to this because this is the best part of it. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. 
as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So Elijah in the Old Testament, the writer here, James is saying, hey, you know that brother Elijah in the Old Testament who did just some crazy stuff by the work of the power of God through him? Yeah, he has a nature just like you. He has nothing on you. Nothing on you. And look what Elijah did. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. That's a long time. To talk about something that you cannot do. You cannot make it not rain for three and a half years. You just can't do it. And then he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. Friends, one of the ways you are literally quenching the Holy Spirit in your life is because you're not praying for the stuff that only God can do. Like, what's holding you back? Please don't play the game of like, oh, that sounds selfish to like pray for stuff that only God can do. Why? He gets the glory. Do you think my, my friend who sat next to me last night, who's not a believer and is talking about how prayer saved, I think it was her, her nephew, do you think she was like, oh, like I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I, I got the prayer email out and I, I prayed it up and yeah, it's all because of me. No, no, no. She was blown away by God. Blown away. So listen to me, friends. Don't be afraid to pray crazy stuff. Don't be afraid to pray for things that only God can do. Because listen, you won't get the glory. He will. No one's going to look at you and go, man, you are awesome. You are great. They're going to go, okay, clearly God is at work in your life. Now, may I remind you, James chapter 4 makes sure that we don't pray with selfish motives. So if you're like, Lord, I, there's just no way I could get a Corvette. Lord, I'm praying something only you can do. And I'm, I'm naming it and claiming it. I have faith that you'll do it. Okay, like seriously, that's the wrong prayer, all right? And don't even be like, well, I'm praying it for someone else. No, no, no. How about you pray for like orphans who, who need a meal? Like, that'll be a good prayer to pray. And then have faith. There's this passage, I I think it's in Mark 10, maybe it's Mark 11, where Jesus' disciples are brought this boy who's demon-possessed, and they can't heal him. And so they bring him to Jesus, and the, and the the dad says to Jesus, if you can heal him, and Jesus turns around and goes, if I can heal him? If? You gotta believe, brother. Or, or Hebrews 11 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Friends, when you are praying, you are praying to the God of this universe. You are praying to the God who created you. You are praying to the God that put the moon and the stars into place. You are praying to the God who created everything around you. Some of my very favorite verses in the Bible is is where God says, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for me? May we pray for stuff that only God can do and believe that he can do it. The Holy Spirit works through that. Now, Now let's talk about this guiding power. 
What does it mean to, to pray in such a way that the Holy Spirit is the guiding power? I think one of the most practical things we can do is pray Bible-shaped prayers. Like, if you ever feel like your prayer life is getting monotonous, pick up your Bible and just pray what this says. Just pray what it says. The two most life-changing prayers I've ever prayed in my life are straight out of Scripture. Ephesians 3, 17 through 21 is the most, I, I started praying it when I was 25 years old, literally almost every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, and, and, I, and I just pray, I think if anyone asks me what's the best prayer I could pray, that's the prayer right there. Father, allow the Holy Spirit to enable me to know the height, the depth, the length, and the width of your love for me, Jesus, and to be filled to the fullness of God. And Father, that you would do in me more than I could ever ask or imagine according to the Holy Spirit that lives in me for your glory. In the past five years, by the grace of God and by the work of the Spirit, I have never been more in love with Jesus in my life. Like, like there's nothing in this world that sounds more enjoyable, more delightful, more wonderful than to live for my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I love Him. And I'll be honest with you, there was a big chunk of my life as a Christian where, where I just, I did what Jesus said out of duty. I'm a good Christian. And by the grace of God, I prayed this prayer. And by the grace of God, I have affections for Jesus that I, I cannot put into words to you. Just can't. And then the other just game-changing prayer that I started praying when I was 14 years old is in First Chronicles 4.10. And it's actually a, a prayer that has gotten a lot of flack. It was a book called The Prayer of Jabez. And I, I heard someone speak at it at Seattle Christian Chapel when I was in eighth grade. And I wasn't walking with Jesus, but I thought, wow, this prayer seems good to me. So I'll, I'll pray it. And, and the book's got some pushback because they're like, eh, it makes, makes God into this genie. You know, pray this simple line and you'll be blessed. Like, like I, I, I get the pushback, but the prayer's in the Bible, friends. And so I, I've, I've literally, for every day, now there was like a year or two where I just, I stopped praying it for some reason, but for literally from when I was 14 all the way to currently with like a two-year gap in my early 20s, I prayed this prayer. The prayer of Jabez, bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. And if you read the book, it says, don't pray enlarge my territory so you can have bigger land. Though we are, we actually going to have a backyard now, friends. We're going to have a backyard. Praise the Lord. But in the book it says, pray that God would enlarge your territory in a way where you have more opportunities to share the gospel. Bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. God, have your hand upon me and protect me. And I prayed that prayer. I prayed it for five, six years straight, not even thinking that God would work or God would move. And, and I'll tell you what, God enlarged my territory 
give me opportunities to preach the gospel. When I was 14 years old, I had no idea that God would answer that by, by allowing me by his grace to be a youth pastor and, and talk to kids about Jesus twice a week. That, that God in his grace and his mercy would allow me to be a pastor to you, to tell you about Jesus and the gospel every single week. Power of prayer, friends. So, so you, want, you want the Holy Spirit to guide you in your prayers? You want the Holy Spirit to be the guiding power? Just Here's, here's one of the, I heard John Piper say this. He said, find a passage in scripture and pray it for the rest of your life and see what God does. I dare you to do that. Homework this week, find a prayer in scripture, not from your devotional, in scripture and pray it for the rest of your life. And then here, here's the last thing that needs to be said. Guiding power. Making sure that the Holy Spirit is the guiding power in our prayer is just straight up sensitivity to the Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he says, hey, when you pray, get alone in the room, shut the door. Turn off the phone, shut the computer, Go in a place where you can't hear the children screaming. Turn off, turn off the music. I mean, just get in a place where you can hear nothing but the still voice of the Holy Spirit. I dare you to get on your knees when you pray too. I dare you. I dare you to start with the prayer, Holy Spirit, I just, I want to hear from you. And, and, and see, see what happens. Have sensitivity to the Spirit. Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13, um, it, it says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Look at the verse exactly what it says. Then you will call upon me, this is God, and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. So every time you pray, God's listening. And you will seek me and, and find me, underline that, and find me when, so something you got to do, when, when, when you seek me with all your heart. When's the last time you sought the Lord with all your heart in prayer? That is when the Holy Spirit can become that guiding power. And unfortunately, I think that our prayers are bogged down by our busyness our prayers are bogged down because it's another thing we're doing in the moment because it makes sense to pray and watch commercials at the same time or, or it makes sense to pray while you're falling asleep. That does not work. You will fall asleep. But, but, but you know what happens when you seek God with all your heart? God says, you'll find me. You'll hear from me. And so friends... <clears throat> I think we quench the Holy Spirit in some of the most simple ways by not praying the right way. It is such a heartbreaker to me that for the past 20 some odd years I have, I have quenched the Holy Spirit probably more times than I can imagine because I did not allow the Holy Spirit to be the moving and guiding power. What would it look like, friends, if, if you just, if you prayed like this? 
What is it the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you right here, right now? What is it the Holy Spirit's calling you to this year? And, and the only thing that's keeping you from hearing is because you're not praying in the Spirit. Friends, it's this simple. It really is this simple. So let's do that this week. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we, we want to hear from you. And I, I, I just think it's by accident that we, we have quenched you from time to time. We let busyness get in the way. We, we let secondary voices get in the way. The music, the TV, the stress, the anxiety. We just get other, other things get in the way. Father, give us the discipline to get alone with you every day this week. That we would be so bold to get on our knees as a sign of just needing you. And we would quiet every voice around us and that we would be bold to pray prayers that only you can answer and believe that you will. Father, help us to be so sensitive to you, Holy Spirit, that we would not be afraid to just sit in silence and wait for you to speak. We want to hear from you. We want to be a church that is led by you. We want to be a church where it is clear as day that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that it needs to really start with our prayer life. Pray these things in your name. Amen.